Welcome to another episode of the Bounce Pass by the Sports Mecca. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. In today's episode, I'm joined by Adam Rosenblum and Nathaniel Julian to discuss the Boston Celtics at the halfway mark of the 2019-20 season. Thank you guys for both coming on um, for this podcast. I mean, I've done a couple other podcasts in the in the NBA related in the past. Um, like I touched on the off season, but this is really the first in season podcast I've done regarding the Boston Celtics. Um, so again, I'm really kind of happy both of you guys were able to come on. Uh, we're actually doing this from different parts of the, uh, the world. Actually, not, I don't think any of us are actually in Boston. Uh, Adam and I, uh, are both in Kansas city and Nathaniel, you're in Toronto, right? Or some part of Canada. Yeah. I'm from the Toronto area. Okay. Wow. Um, so first, before we start, like, I'm kind of curious, like, did you like follow the Raptors at all when you were growing up in Toronto or how did you become a Celtics fan? Uh, I'd say pretty much. Yeah, of course, you know, growing up, uh, Toronto area, Canada, everybody follows the Raptors, you know, I've seen it all, been watching them probably since uh, they first became a team back in 95. Uh, you know, I remember when Vince Carter missed that shot against the Sixers in 2001, I was probably like 11 years old at that time, and I was so upset about that, um, but basically how I got into the Celtics was more so during the Big Three era, and the reason why I became a fan of the team was more so, I just love the story of how Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett came together. You had them as individual players that were, you know, trying to lead their team. All of them previously had made a conference finals. You know, Ray Allen with Milwaukee, uh, Kevin Garnett with uh, the, the Wolves, and Paul Pierce with the Celtics, right? So how they were all able to come together. They weren't able to win by themselves, but when they came together to win a championship, I just fell in love uh, with the team. And ever since then, yeah, I've been a fan for about 13 years now. So that's wow. pretty much the story. Yeah, um, you know, I was talking to Adam, like, before we started, and he said that uh, – you had you your family was from like a Celtics fan. Your grand your grandfather, right? Yeah, yeah. My family's all from Boston. Well, my yeah. mom's side is, and my grandpa he, he grew up a Celtics fan. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to games with with Bob Cousy. Like, I was talking to my grandma at, at Christmas, and um, she was talking about how she went to some some game in, in the garden, um, mm-hmm. and she saw Bob Cousy. He just like threw up a, a half court shot from. It was like, he was like doing it backwards too. It was like just at the last thing, like, just heaved it up and hit it. That's like one of the like most vivid memories about right. having season tickets right, in the right. garden. So, so yeah, I've, I've grown up always a fan of the Celtics because of them. And um, I think my first Celtics memory was Gerald Green was in a dunk contest. Hmm. Um, it was like him and Paul Pierce, and he did this craziest dunk. And I was like, oh yeah, my grandpa likes that team. Okay, I'm hooked. Like, so right. from then on out, it was right. it was. Uh, it was green all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yes. I mean, I'm 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 very similar to that. Like my dad grew up in Boston. I uh, had season tickets in the '70s and '80s, and then I mean, I'm I mean, I've I'm I was born in Kansas City, and I have no connection. I mean, I have, I, mean, I have family there, but uh, I started I just started following him. But um, you know, kind of just to start, guys, we're going to just start about really kind of an evaluation of the midpoint of the season when Boston has played 42 games. So it's pretty much halfway through the season. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll, 
you know, list off my kind of evaluation. You guys can get your opinions, and then from there, we, we'll we'll go we'll kind of bounce through, bounce around topics. So, um, as you guys know, you know Boston's twenty eight and fourteen. I'm currently sitting in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, outside of Milwaukee. From like the two seed to the six seed, it's pretty bunched up. Like right now, there are I think a half back from the Raptors, and then a game and a half back from Miami, who's been a really uh, surprise team this year. And actually, if you want to if you compare it, like the 28 and 14 record, that's three wins ahead of where last year's team was at 25 and 17. Um, and, you know, obviously they went through a just a very interesting offseason. You know, they lost Kyrie Irving, lost Al Horford, um, Terry Rogier, Marcus Morris, really a ton of guys in, for, in, uh, in the offseason. And we kind of I – don't, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of Celtic fans just were like, hmm, you know, after losing all these guys, how are they going to respond? Well, you know, they went out and signed Kemba Walker in free agency – they gave Daniel Tice like a, a one-year deal. Um, kind of were able to cobble together, you know, draft picks, and, and we'll touch. We'll touch. We'll touch base on like the actual the selections. You know, drafter Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Tremont Waters, uh, and then you know we kind of assumed with Gordon Hayward coming back, it, it, it'd be kind of you know Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown is kind of like the big three with Marcus Smart as a side. And that's kind of been what it is. But, you know, um, I don't know. In my honest opinion, I thought Boston has kind of been playing where I think most fans expected them to be. You know, not an elite team. There were stretches that they were close to elite at the start of the season. But they've they've kind of hit a wall. I mean, lost six of the last nine games. Did have their win against the Lakers. But, um I think from at least from a perspective of how they've transitioned from off season to this season, you know, they're a good team Four four seed right now could be better, but um, can I just want to get your thoughts on really how you feel this half, you know, four games have gone. And, and, th- and this could be, this is a question for both of you guys. You guys, I don't have a yeah, preference okay. of who can start. Um, oh, you want to go? Oh, it doesn't matter, but if you want to go first, go ahead, man. Oh, I mean, I would just say, yeah, I would say that we're probably playing above expectations to where I thought we were going to be. I never really expected Jalen to leap as far as he did. I think his growth probably sets us into a new kind of a tier as where I thought we would be. Um, Gordon, before his injury, he was playing like an all-star, so I I wonder where we would be had he not broken his hand for that one month. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think I think with both of their growths kind of puts us in a different tier than where I thought we would be at the beginning of the season for sure. Because I really thought we were just going to be kind of like a middle of the pack team if Jalen and Gordon were be the same. But now that they're improved, um, I think I think it puts us at the you know probably the top three, top four seed. Um, I don't see the Sixers catching up to us. Um, Even though they have their own issues, they they yeah. they need to. Set out, uh, yeah. Joel, I think he's still injured, right? Right, so, yeah, he is. Yeah, so I don't, I don't see them catching us, but I think the top three will probably be like a mixture of obviously the Bucks, they'll probably be the number one seed. Like, obviously, Giannis is gonna get that number one seed, but I think probably it'll be a mixture of us, the Heat, 
the Raptors probably fighting for that second and third spot. So right. Um, um, and I think you know, from in terms of a playoff outlook, the way it's looking like right now, you know, Milwaukee they're eight games ahead of everybody at least in the in the in first place, and I don't think anybody's catching them. But I think it's not always the case in some years, but I think in this case especially. Uh, you really need to get that two seed, and in Boston's case, the two seed's going to be important because, you know, they end up scuffling and end up being like a four seed or a, or even a five. Well, they're not going to have home court advantage past one round, and then they would have to play Milwaukee in the second round. I think everybody, regardless of the Celtics, Sixers, Raptors, Pacers, Heat, all of those teams are just trying to avoid the Bucks in that second round. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you made a good point about how try to fight, maybe fight for that second, third, or fourth spot. So, um, Nathaniel, would you kind of agree with both of our points or, you know, what has any, has there been surprises to you? I mean, I know Adam mentioned Jalen Brown's, um, leap that he's made and we'll kind of touch a little bit more into that, uh, later on. Necessarily, if I'd say there was a surprise, I mean, of course, a lot of people were, uh, you know, not necessarily upset, but a lot of people were making fun of, um, you know, the Celtics for giving Jalen Brown that contract. But definitely, he's lived up to with us far, and I don't even know if it was necessarily a surprise. And the reason why I say this is because for people that actually follow the team, you know, uh, they they watch the majority of the games, you would notice that in Jalen Brown's second year is when he took that leap. You know, the year when Gordon Hayward went down in the first game. You know, uh, the year when they still had Kyrie Irving. He was a, a very good player that year. I believe that his second season averaged about 14 points per game. And then when we saw that true leap is when they got to the playoffs. When they got to the playoffs, both him and Tatum were averaging about 18 points per game. I remember in the series against Milwaukee, I believe he had like, I'm pretty sure he had multiple 30-point games in that season. So I knew if you just gave him the opportunity that you know he was going to thrive. Because you look at last year, the, the, the team last year, for example, I mean, there was just too many offensive weapons on the team. It was very hard for Jalen to really, you know, fit into his role properly. Because, you know, uh, Jalen and Hayward, after, I believe, somewhere around the halfway mark, uh, they started going to the bench. I think it was maybe after 25, 30 games. And he wasn't really able to get into his groove. But now that he's back as a starter, now that there's less, you know, people to worry about in terms of sharing the ball with, he's able to thrive. So, in general, based upon the Celtics this year, I think that they're around where I expected them to be. They might be a little bit better than what I thought because my prediction was for the overall record by the end of the season, I said about maybe 50 or 51 wins or so. And right now they're on pace. They, they look like they, you know, they may win 54, 55 games, which is a possibility. And, you know, I, I know I wasn't expecting that. So I think thus far it's been a pleasant surprise of how well they've done this year. But I wouldn't say that it's a huge shock that they've been doing well either. And I knew Hayward was going to be. I knew Hayward was going to be better uh, this year as well. Uh, just you know, having a, another year under his belt. Last year, you know, uh, the year prior having the injury. So just having two years now since his injury, he's 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 been a lot better. And 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 yeah, the Celtics been doing a lot better this year. Yeah, I'd say probably the biggest surprise for me is Jalen's uh, his handles because that was really the one thing that needed to come along. We knew the shot was there. It was just if he could keep his head up and not dribble the ball out of bounds like he used to always do. And yeah, yeah, the fa- the fact that he's he's able to create a lot more, a lot better than he was last year. That that alone is setting him in, into possible All Star. You know, right right fringe fringe All Star is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I think yeah, we, we, we right knew now, he had the pieces. He just had uh, to put them together. I think right now you're looking at three All Stars on Boston played at an all-star level, 
Brown and Tatum, I think, are both, like you said, fringe All-Stars. I think at least one of them will get into the All-Star game. Um, but the, the problem with, with Brown and Tatum, they're going, they have a lot of competition in the East. Uh, so I don't know if both of them will get in. But, you know, to your point about uh, Brown that you made out about, like, his handling's been better, and that's true. I think another um, part of his game that's really improved is just his aggressiveness driving the driving the ball. Uh, you know, in his first first year and second season, there were a lot of times where Jalen kind of used his just athletic ability to kind of overpower guys. I mean, I know he's had some poster dunks, like he had the one uh, over LeBron uh, against the Lakers a couple of days ago, but. There were times where he kind of just tried to use his athleticism more. And I think he's done a better job of staying under control, uh, using his body to finish finish around the rim. And he's actually added just an, an, an extra layer to his game. And that's kind of like the mid-range. And you, know, you can put him up at the four. You can put him at the five now. And he can actually be effective. I don't think Jalen Brown uh, could do that maybe in his first two years in the league. Um, but we're transitioning to another young star for J- uh, Jason Tatum. You know, from a statistics standpoint, he's averaging like he's averaging more than Brown, twenty-one points per game, um, just a, just a hair under seven, and and two and I think two point eight assists. Uh, I think he's definitely taking that next step. And again, you mentioned it, um, Nathaniel, about. Getting more, more uh, solidified roles has kind of helped the young guys, and I think that's that's kind of carrying over to Tatum as well. Um, just if you guys want, that has to do with with Kemba. Uh, I think Kyrie, whenever we had him, he would just try to take over when things weren't working. But Kemba has been kind of a facilitator and allowed Jalen and Jason to do their do their thing when they need to. And he's not, he doesn't have to take over the game. Whereas Kyrie felt like he needed to. Kemba has been able to facilitate them and let them do what they need to do while also getting his. So um, I think Kemba has been a big part of that and just the chemistry that he brings and the happiness that he just brings on the whole team because Kyrie is just really dragged this down. Not to, not to bring that back up again. But right. Just Kemba, right. Yeah. <laughs> But Kemba's just his pure joy that he brings to the team, the fact that the team is just so happy right now. I mean, that alone is has got to do something for their development. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, Kemba is just smiling every time he has the ball in his hands. Um, but, I mean, that was a big issue last year was not only do they have, I think, too many mouths to feed, but, you know, I think there were more egos. Um, and... I mean, you're seeing it in Brooklyn right now. I mean, Kyrie Irving was calling out Jared Allen. He was calling out, um, I think maybe Spencer Dinwiddie. He was like calling out some of the the young players for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, even though Kyrie was out for close to two and a half months, um, I don't think. And you're not seeing that from Kimball Walker, so I think that definitely helps. But um, Nathaniel, I mean, you gave your your thoughts on Jalen Brown. What's kind of your what, assessment on Jason Tatum's uh, third season in the league because he's definitely improved. Um, I think he's definitely has – he has stretches where he can just light it up 
Like he he can go games where he can put thirty and forty points up, um, but then there are some games where he's like really inefficient, where he'll go two of fifteen, three of fourteen, and it, it, it can be it can be a struggle. about Tatum this year. One thing uh, you, you have to mention, in terms of the consistency, it would be on the defensive end. He's been a fantastic defender, and sometimes, you know, the per game stats is not always going to tell that. You have to you have to actually watch the games to see what he's been doing. Uh, just, it seems like he's always in the right position to be able to deflect the ball, steal the ball. He's been playing great defense from what I've seen. Now, in terms of his offense, that's the thing. What I really want to see from him is just that, uh, yeah, more consistency on the offensive end, because the games that he looks good in, he looks absolutely amazing you know he had the 41 point game um a few days uh, about a week ago or so where he had 41 and three quarters you know he's had games of um above 35 points this season so the games like i said the games that he's looked very good in you know he's, he's been fantastic but that's what i really want to see from him going forward it's just a consistency because the best players in the nba you know the Kawhis, the lebrons the kevin durant for the most part having a game where you're scoring 25 points per game 30 points per game whatever it is on, you know, 47, 48, 49, 50% shooting from the field. That's that's a regular for those type of guys, the superstars. You know, we expect Giannis at this point every single night mm-hmm. to have above 25 points. You know, he's going to shoot efficiently, of course. He's going to dominate. With Tatum, it, like you were mentioning, you just don't know exactly what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. So we just want him to get to a point where if you're going to average 20 points per game, that's cool, but I want to see you above 45%, 46% on a consistent basis because as of right now, you know, I know that he'll go through stretches where he'll look really, really good for a few games, and then there'll be like that fourth game, for example, like you said, he'll shoot like one for 15 or something like that. So overall, he's still been a very, very good player this season. I think he's going to be an all-star, mainly based upon, you know, his points per game, uh, you know, still some all the three-point shooter and his defense, but uh, going forward, I just want to see more consistency on a uh, game-to-game basis. Yeah, I think I think it's most of his inefficiency comes from the fact that he's had to change his shot selection, and that's something I've been really impressed with. But once once he gets consistent at driving the ball in and and laying it up, because that's where he's his, he's been really lackluster to me is inside. We we know the shots there. We know he's going to hit his threes, but. Once he starts getting into the paint a lot more and starts getting those efficient shots at the rim, he's going to be, you know, a 25-point-per-game scorer. Right. Um, there, there's just too many times where he's, he's going up too soft and the ball getting you know, slapped out of his hand. And that's kind of been the, the deal with his whole career. But, you know, the game against the Lakers, he was, he was driving in the hoop, he was getting into the basket. And uh, if he can just keep that up, I think he's easily going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer later in his career. So. Uh-huh. And, that's, and, and that's you, where he's got to improve yeah. to, to really take that next leap. Yeah, and I think you also got to add in the fact that you know he's 21 years old and and it's it, he's in his third third year in the league and I mean he's not on a, a true championship contender, but he's on a team that is very well uh, on their way to success in the future. And I don't think there's a lot of 21 year olds that have that burden on their shoulders. And also Tatum's like the second or number second or first score, scoring option on the team, and this and he didn't have that responsibility. I mean, I know he had in the playoffs, I think in his rookie year, but in his first two seasons, he was playing behind Kyrie Irving, he was playing behind Al Horford, um, he was really their third or fourth guy. Now he's like their first or second. I think that it takes a while to adjust. Um, I mean, Brandon Ingram was like another example. Um, or 
It's, I mean, I know the Pelicans aren't good. Um, and I mean, and who knows if they make the playoffs with Zion Williamson coming back, but, but this is really like his first shot at being like a primary player. Uh, I mean, and he's putting up what 25 a game. He's insanely efficient. You know, I think that's where Tatum can be maybe next year. Um, and beyond. Um, but, you know, we touched on the, the younger players with Brown, Tatum. Um, I know I want to bring up Kemba Walker, but I think we've kind of established. I mean, he's putting up 22 a game, uh, shooting roughly like 45% from the field, 39%. He's been pretty much as advertised as what Boston has liked him to be in free agency. Um, I really want to get your thoughts on Gordon Hayward. Um, I know, I know, uh, Nathaniel like touched on it a little bit of how he's, how he's improved, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on, do you think Hayward in the moving down the line? So not just this year, but maybe like three or four years out, do you think he really is a fit for Boston long-term or do you guys just think he, he's just kind of a carryover and and you know Boston's really not going to do much with him because later on because I think he has a a player option this year and he he, all, he can opt in and be become a free agent. Do you think Boston should keep Hayward in their plans or should they maybe cut ties with them later on? See, for, for me, I, I'm on both sides of the fence where I feel like um, Hayward is essentially the cherry on top where the, the, the core that you have with uh, Kemba, Jalen, Tatum, and Smart, those are the essential pieces. Having Hayward, I believe, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily essential to the team, but having him is, is, is just an added bonus. So when I look at it... Um, if you were to ask me, do we need Hayward per se? I wouldn't say yes, 100%. We do need him on the team, but I still really think that he, he adds something to the team. Uh, just based upon his playmaking ability, uh, and people really don't realize he's been extremely efficient this year. I believe he's shooting about 50% from the field. Uh, his three-point shooting is still pretty solid as well. So like I was mentioning, he, he's definitely an added bonus to the team. Now, my main thing for the Celtics, everyone you know, keeps seeing on social media, on Twitter, oh, trade Hayward, trade Hayward, trade Hayward. It's talking about trade. Trade him for, for who? I mean, if you want to see, trade him for a big, the, the main thing is that you're saying, oh, trade him for Drummond, which I'm like, is that even a necessity? Because Drummond, to me, I don't know if that's really, you know, needs to be a piece that we need to add to this team at, the, at this present moment. Right? For me, the main thing, I think, is adding to the bench. Once you develop mm-hmm. the bench a little bit better, you get, you know, um, maybe a three-point shooter off the bench. Just another guy that can score 15 to, to 17 points off the bench. That's a lot better. So, in my personal opinion, I, I, I don't really think I'd trade Hayward unless I know I can package him in a deal for a better player. You know, whether right. that be right. a better big, whether that be uh, wh- whoever you want to mention. But at this present moment, I like him on the team. I think he's an added bonus. Uh, so to sum it up, I don't think he's essential, but why not? If you have him on the team, he's been a very good player. Before the hand injury, you could all easily make the argument that he might have been an all-star based upon the way he was playing to start the season. So that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... I mean, you mentioned Andre Drummond. I, I you know, the, the 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 group think of like adding a big. I think I do think trading for a big man or tra- uh, trading for another bench score. I think is needed, 
But I think there's a lot of fans that think, um, you know, Andre Drummond can solve all these issues, but I don't think Andre Drummond really fits into what Boston wants to do this year. Um, considering they're more they're more wing heavy, I think if they put Drummond as this plotting big man, that yeah, he'll grab rebounds. Um, but I just I don't I don't I just think he'll maybe take away touches from Brown, take away touches from uh, from Tatum, from Kemba Walker, and. I think a lot of fans like believe maybe Drummond's this guy that is going to stop Joel Embiid or stop Giannis in the playoffs. Well, I don't think there's anybody really the Celtics can throw out there that can stop those guys one on one. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm very out on on the idea of getting Andre Drummond. He he just he would probably suck up the the ball into the paint too much. He would he would just suck the ball into the paint. And I, I think our versatility with Hayward being able to have all those those three wings start and being able to switch is very important for us. And he just, I don't think uh, Drummond would, would fit into our, our scheme. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I had to trade Miles Turner or Gordon Hayward for someone, I would probably try to target Miles Turner. That would be my ideal trade was him and Jeremy Lamb, but even then, Miles Turner has been pretty underwhelming, and right. we would just kind of have to hope that he would fit in our right. system, which yeah. that's not a guarantee. And Hayward is a guarantee right now. He's putting up 16 points on very efficient mm-hmm. uh, percentages. Like I think he's shooting like 74% in the restricted area last time I checked. So that's that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. So I'm fine with just keeping him for right now. And if this summer he wants to leave, I would try to resign him just so that we could have I would try to keep him purely so that we have that big contract to move if someone like Carl D. Towns were to come up in like a trade scenario if he were if he were to to want to leave some way somehow he got fed up up there or something. Mm-hmm. But just having that big big contract to be able to move if a trade does come up. Because if he leaves then our biggest contract that you'd probably be willing to move is Marcus Smarter, and I want him here forever. Huh. I don't want him traded at all. He's he's too important, and you're not you're not going to trade Jalen or, or Jason uh, if you really truly think that they're a good duo that's going to be here for right. the next the next decade. So right. I think I think if, if he does opt out, we we should absolutely try to resign him, um, and he he probably will opt out because he can set the market because. Really, the only other big name free agent is Andre Drummond this summer. So, um, yeah, the the the, the twenty twenty free agency class is weak, much like the twenty twenty NBA draft, uh, which kind of is a good segue. Boston has, I believe they have the Grizzlies pick this year, right? Yep. If yes. the Celtics make a trade for maybe a bench player or or even like a versatile big, because I I think Andre Drummond. I mean, we, we just alluded to, he's not the fit. If Boston were to get like a, a big man, it'd have to be a guy that can move really on different parts of the court defensively. Kind of like a, a Daniel Tice type of a guy. Um, but Jay Clay would be Rashawn Holmes. Right. I, I, was, I was actually getting to that. I was thinking about like guys like Rashawn Holmes, um, Derek Favors. Um, and if they really want to like – 
go out and get a shooter off the bench. You know, J.J. Redick is kind of just taking up space for the Pelicans. Pelicans aren't doing anything right now. He's putting up 15 a game, shooting like 46% from three, and it's not really helping out. Uh, I mean, got Davis Bertans obviously is a big, is a like a really hot commodity for teams. For the, uh, but I've 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 heard some rumors that the Wizards really don't want to really trade him, uh, because he's a free agent. I believe I believe he's a free agent this this summer, and they want to extend him. But um, what I was trying to get to is if the Celtics make a trade. Outside of Hayward, what are the player? I mean, what are the assets maybe Boston can give up? You know, we you got the Memphis pick, and considering the Grizzlies are now the eight seed and they're playing much better than I think we expected. I mean, that pick when I think it came out, we we're thinking, oh man, that's going to be a, a top six, top ten pick. You know, Celtics are going to get a, a really good player. Well. Turns out it, it's not. I don't think it's going to be as good as maybe what we were anticipating. So um, there's a lot of names out there for Boston that they could trade, that they could give up on their team, like Carson Edwards, Grant Williams. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans that that are big Grant Williams fans um, because he can because of his defensive versatility. Um, but I mean, I, I've seen flashes with Grant Williams. I don't know if he's like a core piece that that can help their bench. But I think Grant Williams, semi-Ogele. Uh, and let's face it, man, outside of like making an occasional corner three, I don't see anything of value that Ogele is bringing to the table on this team. Uh, I agree. Except <laughs> for being the Giannis defender, and even then he's... Yes, yeah. he's the Giannis specialist. Oh, yeah. Giannis defender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can slow him down. But he's not he's not doing much. But I, I would rather give Romeo Langford his minutes to be yeah. honest. Um and then I guess you could say Romeo Langford is another guy that they could throw in. So um any of those guys that you think would be worthy of getting rid of to, to acquire like a bench score or a big man, or do you guys have any other guys in mind on the team? Like NS Cantor or Daniel Tice. I am one hundred percent down with NS Cantor. Really? Yeah. Oh man! Do you know, dude? Okay, give me your thoughts on why. Do you just not like Inez Cantor? Do you just don't think he's a good fit? Because I think he's done a pretty good job considering the Celtics got him for the mid-level exception. I mean, I like him at the price that we're at. I mean, I'm cool with, but his defense is just so fuck. It's so it's so god awful. Like he's a turnstile in defense. We know what he's going to do on offense. He's going to get the offensive rebounds, and then he's just going to try to lay it up and miss a complete bunny like he does three times a game. But he has been pretty good lately. He's exceeded my expectations as of late. But his defense is just still awful. If someone were to, to want NS Cancer for any other big man, I would consider it. But mm-hmm. he has been pretty good on offense the past couple games, so I'll, I'll give him that. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty out on him. There's there's a lot of people that I think overrate him a little bit. Right. There's also people that that hate him way too much, but uh. Oh yeah, his, his ha- defense is just infuriating. <laughs> it's it's infuriating. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of uh, Celtics. I know a lot of people on Celtics Twitter. I'm not going to name them uh, for the sake of their privacy. They just can't stand Inez Cantor. 
and then there's people that like defend him and they're just going to go to, they're going to go to bat for him every time. But, um, I mean, other than Inez Cantor, any other guys, uh, time Lord, Robert Williams, I don't think they should really trade, but, uh, I don't know if fans are, I don't know if Celtic fans realize this, but Williams being out for this stretch of games, I think has really hurt them. Like on the on, just from an interior oh, yeah. interior spot uh, interior uh, defense, and I mean it's another it's another uh, rabbit rabbit hole that you'll go down with just his long term like health. You know, seems like Time Lords he'll play two weeks and then he'll get injured for two weeks. Um, I mean, I just want to see what, what he is because he's still kind of an unknown. We haven't seen him play for, as you said, we haven't seen him play for consistent amount of games. And I still think he, he has a part in his team as a you know, defensive stopper, hopefully. And maybe he can be like a mini Clint Capella or something. But uh, I just want to see him play consistent yeah. minutes and consistent games without getting hurt. And, uh-huh. um, and what's it? His hip is hurt? The hip and hip derma or something? I I think so. Um, the problem is like he is such a he is such a uh, his lower body is not the greatest in terms of like just muscle. I, he doesn't have a lot of muscle there, and it's just it's it's kind of injury prone. Like in the in the lower areas, like his legs, his hips, um, which is a shame because you know if 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 he can't get healthy and he can't be a guy that can consistently contribute, you know, every night. Uh, you know, he's always going to have issues of like staying on the floor and being a t- and being a part of a team's future. But um, I like Williams, uh, but you know, until we can put a full season together or at least not, I wouldn't say a full season, just at least solid stretch of months of just good play. I, we won't know yet. Um, Nathaniel, any mind, any te- any uh, players that have come to your mind that you think Boston could maybe give up on, give up for like a, a big man or a guard? Uh, because options are limited. The Celtics have limited options to deal. Very true. Yeah, there is limited options. I mean, the guy that I, I want is Bertans. I mean, like you were mentioning, I think he'd be just a perfect piece. Uh, for the bench, you know, he, he, I believe he comes off the bench for uh, the Wizards, and I believe he's averaging around 15 points per game. I think last time I checked, it was around 43 percent uh, from the three-point line. So that's a, that's the perfect piece that you want for a team like the Celtics. Now, in terms of who guys that you you would move, I mean, for me, like you mentioned before, Semi, I could care less about Semi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what he's good for besides, you know, I guess solid defense. Um, every time he shoots a three, like I just cringe. Like I'm just like. There's, there's no way I think you're going to make that shot every time you shoot. I just, just don't shoot any shots, and I'm okay with that. Um, the rest of the bench, I mean, it, it's so hard to say, man, because you have so many young guys. Like, we don't know what Romeo's going to be at, you know. Uh, half of the season, he, it feels like he's been in and out uh, because mm-hmm. of, you know, injuries or he's been in the G League. So, but from the little flashes that I've seen, I'm like, wow, this guy looks pretty good, but we don't know yet. So is it worth saying, let's trade him and then, well, all of a sudden he goes to a team with more opportunity and then he starts shining? I don't know. Grants, 
Some people really like him. I've seen some Celtics fans, they don't like him at all. I mean, I think he's solid for what he does in terms of being, you know, a playmaker. He can play some solid defense, but not a very good scorer at all from what I've seen. Maybe that will develop in time, but I haven't seen much from that end. You know, we know we had that really rough uh, stretch to start the season with the three-point shooting. Now at least he can hit some once in a while. But it's just in general, I don't really know who you would really trade unless you're packaging some picks as well. Because to be honest, our bench, and uh, I'll say, um, um, Adam, I know you don't like Cantor, but I, I, I think Cantor's been doing well, pretty well this season. I, I personally say, I mean, I know his defense is not the best. Totally understandable. But He's a double-double guy off the bench. His job is to grab the offensive boards. I mean, look at one of the major issues of the Celtics over the past few years. It's not having rebounds. You know, when uh-huh. Horford was there, Horford was basically averaging, what, six, seven rebounds per game as a 6'10 power forward combo center, right? Cancer, he he cleans up the glass, man. So that, that's exactly what he's able to do, just coming off the bench, playing about 20 minutes per game, getting the 10 points, getting the 10 rebounds. I think he's been pretty effective. Mm-hmm. So I like that combination of having um, Cantor and Tice as your bigs. And then Robert Williams, he has potential as well. I don't know if I'd personally trade uh, Robert Williams either because he has some potential. So me personally, like when you look at the bench in, in general, of course you keep smart, you keep Cantor, I would keep Robert Williams. After that, if I'm able to trade the rest of the bench pieces with some picks, maybe, to mm-hmm. get a guy like Bertans, maybe i do that. It, it's just so hard to say because, like I said, some of your bench guys like Romeo, maybe he has some untapped potential. It's just really hard to say. Well, another guy, I don't think they'll trade him, but another guy that really is a fixture to Boston's bench is Brad Wanamaker. Um, now, Wanamaker is actually, I mean, when, when they had Walker and Smart out for a period of time, I thought Wanamaker stepped up and played pretty well. I think he's played his role. Uh, I think he's done pretty well in his role this year. Um, so I don't think Wanamaker is a guy that they would give up on. I mean, it's kind of weird. Wanamaker's 30 years old. He has a, he has like a really old man's game, and he's like their oldest player on the team, which is like really bizarre to me. Um, I feel like, like Wanamaker this year is what we expected Rozier to be last year. Well, yeah. and then Brad Stevens played Rozier, you know, 30 minutes. I mean, it wasn't 30 minutes, but it felt like he just played him endlessly, and then he never gave Wanamaker a shot last year. Very true. And it was Shout fun. out Terry, though. I miss him. I'm glad he's not on my team, but I miss him. You miss Scary Terry? <laughs> I mean, I miss him, but I'm glad he's not on the Celtics as well. So I'm glad he's balling out in Charlotte, but mm-hmm. I'm glad he's gone. Well, you know, he went to – Went to Charlotte thinking he'd be the number one guy, and now he's definitely playing well. But uh, he's getting, he's getting, yeah, Devonte Graham. That yes, sir, Devonte Graham's kind of taken over there. But uh, before we before we kind of transition into like really what we think Boston's ceiling is long term, like you know how far they can get in the playoffs and and whatnot. Um, do you guys know where Semi Ojale grew up? He grew up in Kansas. Adam, you might know this. It's a city in Kansas. Um, I feel like I. It's act. I think I know it. Is it Atchison? It's it's Ottawa. Ottawa. Ottawa, Kansas. Kansas. I did yeah. not know that. Yep. So it's actually. Yeah, so he, he went to S. He went originally. He uh, committed to Duke, and he played his I think oh, freshman yeah, I season, that. and then 
Coach K just never played him. Uh, he just he, he never played him, and then Ojale decided to go elsewhere in SMU, and that turned out to be well turned out to be a blessing for him because that was really his opportunity to to showcase his talents. And I don't think if he ever if he if he, if he just went to Duke and rode it out for three or four years, he would have been behind all these one and dones, and I don't think he even would have been drafted. But uh, yeah, like going to SMU really helped him. Nathaniel's like, ah, oh, man, I've, I don't even know if you, I don't know if you've ever been to Kansas, but like Nathaniel's probably like, ah, oh, man, I have no clue where this is, but, um, <laughs> but Ottawa's, I don't much, but <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Ottawa's kind of a small town, but it was kind of a trivia question as who you guys knew, but, um, yeah, I, I loved, I love Shimmy as a person. Seems like a great dude. He's but, thick uh, and jacked. According to Celtics Twitter, he's thick and jacked. He is very thick and jacked. He's got the biceps. He's very, very so, but I, I just don't see him on a team long term. I would love to see Romeo get his minutes because I think Romeo has a lot to offer. But Brad just doesn't like playing. And Grant Williams, he plays him a lot. But, uh-huh. um, yeah. but kind of another question you just mentioned about, you mentioned about Brad Stevens, and that was another thing before we kind of go into kind of the, the last part of this episode of kind of their long-term ceiling. Do you think Brad Stevens has done a better job this year with, you know, with, with, with managing the uh, minutes and really getting the most out of guys? Cause I think Stevens did not do a great job last year of like handling all the roles on the team. I think that was an issue where he could have done better in, but you know, I mean, they're obviously on pace to have more wins than they did last year, but do you think Stevens has done a better job? Me, myself, I'd say, I'd say he's done a pretty good job. But the only thing I've been frustrated with is that some of his rotations sometimes, I mean, I know our bench is thin, but I've just seen certain times where it's like, what kind of rotation do you run? I swear I've seen like Grant, Semi, Javante, a bunch of guys, you know, I, I mean, for me, you need at least one starter or maybe one or two starters on it at all times, For in my personal opinion, just based upon how thin our bench is. And sometimes his rotations have just looked very odd to me. But overall, I think um, he's, in a, he's done a better job. I, you could say uh, a huge part of the chemistry is, of course, Kemba just being the leader of the team. But I think that uh, Stevens, you know, it starts with the coach. So whatever he's been able to do this year has made the chemistry a lot better. I think that players, they enjoy playing for him. That's one thing that I can say as well. So... Yeah, like I'll say the same thing that you said. Um, last year, he definitely didn't do a good job at all managing all that talent, but this year, he's been doing a, a much better job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would second that. I think sometimes uh, his rotations are very questionable, like you said, uh, Nathaniel. Um, but I think there's also times where the other team will be going on a run and he just won't call a timeout, and that's pretty frustrating. But I've been, I've been pretty pleased with, with how he's been doing. I still think he's... You know, a top tier coach. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I gotta say about right. that. Um, I, I mean, we know how I think elite defensively he is as a coach. I mean, let's face it, he can put the three of us out there uh, and play the one through three positions, and he'll still muster like a top ten defense. Uh, I mean, he put Jared Sellinger out there in what twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen at center. And the Celtics actually had a decent defense. So, like, defensively, I don't think there's really any issue. He knows how to put players in to succeed. But, 
Um, I think the only gripe I have for him, and this is something where he'll have to adapt, especially if if we see the growth, if we can see continued growth of Brown and Tatum, um, is offensively as a coach. I think there's a lot of things that he can do better on. I think uh, on the offensive end, I think Boston they can go through a lot of weird droughts without scoring, and they're just not as efficient as some other teams, like, for instance, Milwaukee, um, where it doesn't matter who Milwaukee will put in, if, you know, what from one through eight, they'll still produce um, really good offense. They'll still make a lot of threes, and there's some there's there can be some instances where, like, Stevens uh, can get – kind of attached to some players but you know well I guess we'll really kind of monitor that like as his tenure continues to move forward but um again the last piece I wanted to kind of touch base with is really how far do we really believe that Boston can get uh in the playoffs we know they're a four seed right now but there's so much season left so they can definitely get as high as a number two seed. Um, but they can also, if they really just don't have a good second half, they could easily be the six seed this year. Um, so I'll kind of ask you guys, where do you really think they'll finish? And, you know, are they a conference finals team, a team that'll lose in the second round like last year? Um, I mean, I'm, at least my stance is, I think it really will depend on, the matchup. I mean, I don't think, I think it's not just exclusive to Boston, like every team besides Milwaukee in order for them to get the, get, get to the conference finals, they're going to have to get really favorable matchups. Like I, I don't, if Boston is like a four seed and they have to play a five seed, like in like Indiana or God forbid they play the Sixers in the first round. Cause the Celtics can't beat them this year for some reason. Um, <laughs> I would be kind of worried, but if they get like a two seed, I think they can maybe get to the conference finals. But um, do you guys agree that they they have the potential to get to the conference finals or finals? Just kind of give me your thoughts. Yeah, I would say that their, their ceiling is probably the conference finals. I mean, I feel that the Celtics, they have a roster that if everyone is playing to the best of their ability, I mean, you saw the game against the Lakers, they destroyed them. I mean, they, they've beaten, I mean, pretty much all the top teams in the league that they faced, except for the Sixers for whatever reason, can't be the Sixers this year. But I think if they're playing, you know, to the best of their ability, all of our best players, we can compete with pretty much any team in the NBA. Does that mean that we can win a championship? I'm not sure. But I think our ceiling is definitely the conference finals. I mean, most likely it'd be against Milwaukee, where I think they'd probably beat us, but you never know what happens once you get to the playoffs. Um, but, on the flip side, there is a potential that maybe we are just a, um, you know, a second round exit as well, just like last year, because the top of the East is so strong that I mean, let's say for example, you face a uh, Miami in the second round, or you face uh, Toronto or Philly, whoever, you know, there's a definite possibility of losing in the second round as well. But I think if everything clicks, you know, we gel together, ceiling conference finals, and who knows if we're playing our best basketball? I don't know if we beat Milwaukee, but you never know. I just witnessed the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. That is right, Adam. That's right. The Celtics are going to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. I need it in my life. If, if, if Patrick Mahomes can do it, Jason can do it. I don't see why not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, um, 
Shout out Patrick Mahomes if you're listening some way somehow. I don't know why you would be listening to a Celtics podcast, but I love you. I cried when you made it to the Super Bowl. Hey, I um, was, you know, hey man, I was right with you, man. Uh, hopefully they can beat the 49ers, but but uh, but you know, carry on. That's for another podcast. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I think. I think we we played pretty good against the Bucks, except for you know both games went down big. We we surged back and, and were able to make it the game. And that second game, we came back and won the first one. So I think I think like like you said, Daniel, we we definitely have a a chance that if we're, if we're all playing our best, that we can definitely make it to the finals if somehow we get to the you know the conference finals and play well. Um, right now, I would say I would say Eastern Conference Finals is. Where, where I feel our limit is. But we'll see how the second half goes. Hopefully uh, hopefully something happens. Hopefully we get there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been pretty surprised. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about the Sixers, how they still have, like, a really good chance of getting to the finals. Because I think a lot of – People predicted them in the preseason um, with adding um, Al Horford in free agency, adding Josh Richardson. Um, but in my opinion, man, Philly has a very similar to feel to like last year's Celtics, like where they had a lot of talent, but it, it, they just were inconsistent. I think that's been that's been the theme where they've had some really good games, and then they'll have games where they just can't play well against lesser opponents. Um, so I, I think, think, think Al's Al's kind of a weird fit there. I don't Horford's know where he really fits in. Horford's regressed. Uh, I think Horford's regressed, and I think they made a a mistake of not trying to retain Jimmy Butler. And I think the fit with the fit of Embiid and Simmons together is not great. Um, Simmons, I mean, you saw him. Uh, against the Nets, he had 34 points, and since Embiid's been out, Simmons has been playing brilliantly. Uh, Embiid does not like to play Simmons' style. I mean, Simmons likes to have an, an up-tempo game and a game where he can really use his ability to, to spread the ball around and distribute and get to the lane. But when Embiid's there, he kind of clogs up everything and forces Embiid to – sorry, and forces Simmons to really – uh, thrive in the half court, and that really has been a struggle for him. Uh, but then you have issues with like Toronto, where I think Toronto is very talented. I mean, Nathaniel, you probably watch more. I mean, I watch the Raptors, but you probably know a little bit more about the Raptors than like most fans, especially in the United States, because you know you're from there. But yeah, I, I would not want to play if the Celtics ended up playing the Raptors in a. I doubt they play them in the first round, but if the Celtics run into them in the second round, with Siakam fully healthy, with Marcus Soul fully functioning, I mean they're getting great performance out of Kyle Lowry. I would not want to play them in the, in the series. Yeah, Raptors are a tough team, and especially you know when the Celtics struggles um, in Toronto. I mean, if it was a situation where the Raptors had home court advantage, you might want to lean towards the Raptors in that series based upon the fact that for whatever reason we can never win. I mean. Obviously, we beat them on Christmas Day, you know, so that was great. But overall, we have struggles in Toronto, so that would definitely be a challenging matchup. And you know, Miami, Miami's a very well put, 
they're they're put together very nicely, but we'll see if they're more of like a regular season team. I have a lot of like Denver Nuggets vibes when I watch the Miami Heat. Like the Denver Nuggets really they were really good in the regular season last year and then you know, they lost in the second round to Portland. Um, but Jimmy Butler has been a difference maker for them, but I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but if they can get that two seed and play like the Orlando Magic, or heck, they could play Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. That would be pretty weird, but that could happen. Um, but really, do you guys have any other thoughts you guys like to add? Um, you know, we try, we tried to touch as much uh, as many topic, topics as we could. Is there anything you guys would like to add for, um, you know, about the Celtics, about maybe the something that's on your mind with the NBA before we kind of close this out? Listen, I mean, I hope we win the championship. I yeah. doubt it, but every year I, I gotta, you know, hope that we do as best as we can. So hopefully we're in the finals, whoever we're facing, and that we win the championship. So we'll definitely see what happens. But go Celtics as always. <laughs> um, the Celtics need to trade every single pick so they can trade up to the first pick and then take Ochai Abaji from Kansas. Oh yeah, and this is a hill. I'm willing to die on. Oh, yeah. Um, he went to my high school, so I really want him. I would love him as, like, a second-round steal. Um, right. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Celtics right now. They're fun to watch. Uh, let's go get that chip and uh, go Chiefs. Yeah. I, um, yeah, Nathaniel, we got to convert you to a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, <laughs> we got to convert you. Um, but. But anyway, guys, I'm really, really happy that you guys were able to, you know, find the time to come on. Uh, and considering we, we're all, I mean, Adam is in Kansas City. He's he's within my area. But, for, you know, for you, especially Nathaniel coming from Toronto, um, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and kind of giving your feedback on the Celtics, especially from, like, a, a Canadian perspective. Uh, oh, no problem, man. No problem. But, and then, Adam, thank you for coming on. Uh you know, providing your content as a Midwestern Celtic fan like myself. But, um, but again, I guess I, I really do appreciate it. And if that's it, you know, I think we can kind of put a bow on this. So uh, actually, before, if you guys want to, if you guys want to maybe provide like your, your Twitter handle uh, for people that maybe want to follow you. Yeah, mine is um, underscore NJAY3. That's my Twitter. Adam, you got a new you got a new Twitter. It got suspended. Yeah, I don't even know why. Twitter just suspended me without even saying why. But uh, right now, my Twitter handle is Captain Smarf. Mm, yeah. um, um, if my other one comes back up, it's just Adam Rosenblum. Uh, so yeah, feel free to follow me on either one if my other one gets back. So we'll see. You're you're it's starting you. I'm starting to uh, get a Barry McCockner theme here where you just set up burner burner uh, backups. Oh, God, I hate that, dude. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, anyway, um, my Twitter, at Flex on Flax, has nothing to do with my name, Stephen Abramo, but it, it, it kind of is what it is. I thought it was catchy, and I've, I've stuck with it. So, um, but yeah, guys, really do appreciate you guys coming on, um, and have a great night. Um, I appreciate it.